Well, I believe you can enjoy coming to church, amen. And you know what? You can have fun singing those old hymns, amen. Open your Bibles to a very familiar chapter, John chapter 14, the Gospel of John chapter 14, and we'll dismiss all the children up through age 8, all the children up through age 8. If you'd like to go to Children's Church, you're welcome, of course, to stay with your family. And I invite you to open your Bibles with me. If you happen not to have a Bible with you, Hopefully there is one in the psalm book rack near you, and you're welcome to use that one. If you need a Bible, take it home with you. And uh, if you'll turn with me to a very familiar passage, very familiar chapter in the Bible, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. Again, we appreciate you being here today. We appreciate any first-time visitors that may be here. And... uh, It's great to just have the health to be here, amen? All right, if you found your place, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 4, And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, if you'll go toward the end of that chapter, pick up with verse 27, John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it comes to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Let's pray together. Father, again, we acknowledge that, Lord, we believe the Bible to be the inspired scripture, the holy scriptures, God-breathed. God, we believe it's divine revelation. And you've preserved it down through the years. And we believe we can open our Bibles today, O Heavenly Father, and with utmost confidence and assurance that we have your truth. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit now to help us to put aside all other thoughts and concerns and give our undivided attention. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit will use your word today to minister to our hearts and lives. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning of this chapter and at the end of the chapter, the Lord Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You find that in verse 1, 
of John 14 and again in verse 27. Jesus said in verse 27, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Just the other day, my wife mentioned to me that she saw on Facebook a good godly Christian woman that we know who's not in our church. She's in another Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. And I don't remember the exact words, but and I have no idea what her trials and problems it is, but it was something to the fact that uh, life sometimes just doesn't seem fair. Life can be loaded down with problems and trials and difficulties. And it doesn't matter who you are and where you are in your Christian life, how long you've been saved, how much Bible you know, and how strong your faith is, we live in a world of trials and difficulties and problems. And we've all in one way or another have been there, haven't we? Where we just feel like, boy, the bottom's dropped out and there's trouble and trials. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. The word troubled there is an interesting word. It actually implies to be agitated. to, to and, and it's actually a word that that it... it, that it, it sometimes can imply something that may start little or slowly and then it progressively gets worse. It's kind of like a, a small leak somewhere. And, uh, but if the, if, the, if the problem's not, uh, the right cause is not diagnosed and the right cure administered, it'll just get worse and worse. Uh, sometimes it may not start out slow. You know, it's amazing it's amazing in just a matter of seconds how all of a sudden your life can just be all of a sudden thrown into a state of confusion and bewilderment. Is that not true? And that's actually what this word means. And, and you'll notice Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled in verse 1. And then again in verse 27. And let not your heart be troubled and that implies that there's a human responsibility there. That uh, by the grace of God, there's something I can do. I mean, uh, that from even a human viewpoint, by the grace and mercy of God, not to let the trials and the difficulties and the problems of life get to where it has just got me in. So it, it, may, it may happen for a while, but God can help me get out of it to where I'm just so overwhelmed with problems and trials and difficulties to where, and notice in verse 27, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, it may be a health issue. It may be a family issue. It may be a work-related issue. You may go to work tomorrow. Now, don't worry about this. If this happens, tell your boss to call me and and I'll fuss at him or her a little bit. You may go to work tomorrow. They may walk up to you and say, clean your desk off. Your job's no longer... By the way, that's happened. we got folk here that, you know, well, boy, you, you didn't go to work expecting that. And Wow, I mean, just in a matter of seconds, you're, the bottom drops in, and, and you're just you're trying to process it, and all of a sudden... Or it may be something slow that gradually gets worse. And, and you're thrown into a state of confusion. And all of a sudden, you, you, we look around at the world today. I was, Judy and I were in a place the other day and 
And uh, the leader was just kept reminding us we're living in a dark world and sin and all the changes we see taking place in, in our nation. And I'll tell you what, you, you listen to enough news today, that's enough to throw you into a troubled state of mind and, and all. And so I'm trying to say, Jesus says to his apostles here of all people, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so I'd like to ask the question, you know, why in the world would Jesus have to say that to the apostles? These 12, you know, man, that'd be, I'm one of the 12 hand-picked apostles here. And they've got Jesus in their midst. Now, wow. What if we had Jesus here? Now, I know you spiritually minded people. You say, now, Pastor, we Jesus is here. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. But no, I mean, what if Jesus were really here in Boston? Matter of fact, what if he were our guest speaker today? Man, all our questions would be answered. We wouldn't have a trouble in the world, would we? If Jesus, Well, yes, we would. And here were these 12 apostles. Well, why would Jesus need to say, let not your heart be troubled? Well, and back up with me just for a moment, real quick. In chapter 13, in chapter 13, Jesus is meeting with these 12 apostles. By the way, they're having a meal together. Now, how, how much better can it get? Here, you're one of the 12, and you're having Passover meal with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is right there. You can reach out and touch him. I mean, goodness, you shouldn't have a problem in the world, should you? And, you know, it seems like Jesus in John 13, and we don't have time to read all these verses, Jesus did something that I assume he had never done before in three years with these 12 apostles, at least if in this setting. You know what Jesus did? He got up, he got a bowl of water and a towel, and he went over to wash these 12 apostles' feet. And Peter, you know, now Peter was right this time, he said, Jesus, whoa, you shouldn't be washing. By the way, that was a custom in those days. They walked, they wore sandals, and it, it was just a custom of hospitality. And Peter said in John, in, in, Matthew, in John 13, Jesus, you shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. Now, I, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I would assume that just that quick, all 12 of those apostles went, what's Jesus doing? Why didn't I think of that? Why did, I bet even Judas Iscariot thought, mm, why didn't I take the initiative? And I could have really made myself look good washing everybody's feet. You know, has something like this ever happened to you? Somebody says, hey, I was just praying for so-and-so in the hospital. And inside it, you go, ooh, I forgot so-and-so was in the hospital. And it kind of, for a moment, it, you kind of feel pricked or convicted. Or somebody says, uh, well, I had lunch and I, I, was able, I gave a tract to somebody. And, and in the back of your mind, you don't say it, but you thought, I was just down at Food Line and I, didn't, I was so busy, I didn't even think about giving somebody a tract. And I wonder if those 12 apostles, when Jesus picked up that, and, and he had a purpose for it, I, I wonder why every one of them thought, ooh, I was, I was just enjoying G the meal. I, I didn't even think about it. I should have done that, okay? So that right there, in, in a small way, we're just starting with the small leak here. It's kind of, they're already 
kind of feel them just a little bit gently rebuked. Are you with me? Now it's going to get worse. Then, after Jesus washes their feet, you know what he does in chapter 13? He says, oh, by the way, you 12 cream of the crop that I just chose to be my apostles, one of you is going to betray me. Now, if you read all four Gospels, you know what they immediately begin to do? Is it I, Lord? And that was a good, is it I, Lord? Is it I? And Peter goes over to John and says, John, ask, try to see if you can talk. You've got some brownie points with Jesus. See if you can get him to tell us which one of us it is. By the way, now they didn't know the extent of it, but I, can you imagine they were thinking, one of us? One, and they realized that this must be pretty serious. Did you know among one of the, the among the twelve there was one lost who was going to die and go to hell? Judas did not lose his salvation. He never had it. Amen. Right there among those twelve. Now things the storm's getting a little worse now in their minds, isn't it? They've been slowly thrown into a state of confusion. You know, Jesus washing our feet. One of us is going to betray. But the real issue was this. You come down in chapter 13 to about verse 33. Chapter 13, verse 33, and he says, Little children, let a, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, the third thing happened was this. Jesus said, by the way, I'm getting ready to leave you. Now, we knew what Jesus meant. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die, be buried. And soon I'm going to send back to heaven. I'm leaving. And right now you can't go with me. Now, just imagine, here's these 12 men. They're having a meal. They'd just like to camp out there forever with Jesus. Eat. How, about, how about that? And all of a sudden, Jesus kind of throws them into a little state of, here he starts washing their feet. He tells them one of them's going to betray him. And then he says, "By the, they've spent three good years with Jesus off and on. And, and all of a sudden, they begin to think, what, what in the world are we going? Well, this thing, Things aren't working out like we thought. It's, we're, we're, we're just, how do we process all this? How do we put all this together? And then look how Peter responds at the end of chapter 13. At the end of chapter 13, verse 36, Simon Peter said, chapter 13, verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither thou goest? What do you mean you're going? You ever get the idea these guys just were slow getting it? Huh? By the way, I look in the mirror sometimes and go, quack, quack, you know? We all do, don't we? Aren't you glad God's patient, long-suffering? And Simon Peter said, Lord, verse, chapter 13, verse 36, Whither goest thou? Jesus answered, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter, here's Peter, man, you know what? They said you throw a bunch of guys together, a leader will rise, just automatically rise to the top. God's given us all different, and Peter just sort of seems to rise to the occasion. In other words, he's a big mouth, isn't he? And uh, verse 37, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I'll lay down my life for thy sake. And by the way, if you go to all the, put all the four gospels together, every one of them followed Peter's example. 
and said, so will I, I'll lay my life. Every one of them said, we, we won't forsake you. We won't. And by the way, they all did, except John stayed at the cross. In verse 38, Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake, Peter? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now, I don't know about you, but to some extent, if I'd have been with those 12 men in that room with Jesus, I'd have been scratching my head. Okay, I should have been washing Jesus' feet. He should have been washing mine. One of us, he said, is going to betray him. Far worse than what Peter did. And now Jesus is telling us he's going away. And man, we had, we, I thought we had a good thing going here. What's, what in the world's going on? And then Jesus begins to teach them in chapter 14, verse 1. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, get a grip, calm down. And let's be reminded of some things that will help us keep our heads screwed on right, as we say. What is it? Number one, <clears throat> he tests our faith. What's the cure for a troubled heart? Faith. Several times in this chapter, Jesus uses the word believe. Look at this. Verse one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now here's Jesus doing all this, telling him he's leaving. And, G and I've said this several times over the years, and I believe it. Jesus said, you have faith in God the Father, you have faith in God, you believe in God. Then Jesus said, you can tr believe in me. Now, the next time somebody comes up to you, or you hear somebody out there who says, nowhere in the Bible did Jesus ever claim to be equal with God, just sock them in the nose and get it over with. No, don't do that. I mean, my goodness, here's Jesus saying, you can have the same belief and faith and confidence in me that you have in God. Or he, he was implying God the Father. Now, folk, if that's not putting yourself on the same plane as God, if that's not a claim to deity, pray tell me what is. Amen? Trust me, Jesus is saying. Believe, trust me. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 of this chapter. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? Chapter 14 now. Chapter 14, verse 10. We're back in chapter 14. Faith. Faith is the only antidote for fear. Faith, trust, believing is the cure for a troubled heart. Verse 10, he said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the, for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Now, the implication there in verses 10, 11, and 12 is this. If you study, I understand if you study the Greek word there, which is translated believe, he's saying, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then verses 10, 11, and 12, keep on believing, keep on trusting. It's as though, hey, every trial, every heartache, every moment of confusion in our lives, and we all have them, don't we? It is God wants to use it to strengthen our faith and make it stronger and say, hey, you've trusted me so far. We've come this far by faith, but keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on believing, 
and, and look and see what God's already done. He's proven himself over and over. And look at God's word. Believe my word and believe my works. Keep on believing. It's faith. And then you find it again. The word believe in verse 29 at the end of the chapter. He says in verse 29, And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it has come to pass, you might believe. You may not understand it all now, but as time goes on, your faith keeps growing. Keep believing. Keep believing. In uh, the first few verses, and the first six verses of this chapter is what we're most familiar with because Jesus is... Remember, he just said... the, 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 the the straw that broke the camel's back, as we would say, was when Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving you. I'm going away. Boy, that was the... That threw him in a state of confusion. But then Jesus promised him in verse 1. Let's go back now the first six verses. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And by the way, that's a real place, Amen. Heaven's not just a figment of the imagination. Some state out there somewhere where we're going to be floating around in bliss. It's a real place, amen. And Jesus said in verse 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. And by the way, the word, the little word unto there in verse 3, I'll receive you unto myself. That little unto implies a face-to-face situation. I'm going to be in a room with Jesus one day. Amen. I'm going to see him face to face. Hallelujah. And where I am there, you may be also. And whither I go, you know the way. So would you think those first four verses would have been exciting to their troubled hearts? Jesus just said, I'm going away. But hey, now trust me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And sooner, not now, but later, we're all going to be together as believe, those who believe. And you know what now? Thomas, verse 5. Here's one of the twelve. One of those twelve, cream of the crop. We've already found out Judas. He's going to betray and end up, we know the end of the story. Here's Thomas. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, I understand perfectly everything you're saying. Is that what he said? We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Knock, knock. Now, it's easy for us to say he should have known, shouldn't he? Where where are you going? You know, if Jesus were a man, I can see him, if he were just a man, I think I've picked the wrong 12 guys. What do you think? But isn't that where we all are at times? Aren't we? Thomas said, and Jesus, in verse 6, said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but my man. Thomas, I'm going back to where I came from. I'm going back to heaven. I'm going back to the Father. How do we get there? You get there through me. You get there through me. Now, he promised... So here's Thomas, folks. And guess what? Thomas didn't understand everything. Thomas didn't have all the answers. Then you know what Jesus was saying? Just keep trusting. Just keep believing. Amen. Just keep trusting. I'm glad God put that in the Bible. That encourages me. Amen.
Then I want you to notice the second thing. I mentioned faith. But another thing that Jesus mentions down through here, I counted 23 times. I may have meant nearly 25 times in this one chapter, Jesus mentions the Father. The Father. <laughs> Isn't that something? Your relationship with the Father. I'll tell you what will help you. Cure a troubled heart. It may not solve all your problems immediately, but it'll help you from just being so overwhelmed and bewildered that it paralyzes you. And, and, and let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid that whether you look out at the world or whether your health changes or life situations changes, I can tell you what will help you from getting to the place that Jesus is dealing with where it just overwhelms you that you're paralyzed and defeated and just can't move ahead is not only keep on trusting, but remember what your relationship with God is if you're a born-again believer. You have a heavenly Father, amen? A heavenly Father. <laughs> and 25 times Jesus mentions the Father. And by the way, it reminds me, it rem and, and I don't know, I'd like to think, and I've been picking on these 12 apostles, I'd like to think when, as much as Jesus keeps mentioning either I'm going away, but you have a heavenly father, you have a heavenly father, you have a heavenly father. I'd like to think that maybe, maybe they remembered something that Jesus, they heard Jesus teach one time back on what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now Jesus taught a lot on the Sermon on the Mount. But turn back with me to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. Hold your place in John 14. And turn back to Matthew chapter 6. And here's a familiar passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. Now here's Jesus teaching. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That means just sleep in. Don't worry about working. The government will take care of you. If not, the church will pick you up the tab. Is that what he means? No. The word, <laughs> evidently some people interpret it that way, don't they? Apply it that way. The word thought there in Matthew 6, 25 is again, worry, anxiety, where you're thrown into it. And by the way, it can happen slowly or it can happen just like that, can it? And Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, Yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking a thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not so much more clothe ye, O ye of little what? Faith. Therefore, take no thought. And again here he's talking about anxiety and worry. Sure, we work and do the best we can. And if we find ourselves in a situation where we, we do our part, God's going to do His part. 
Verse 31 of Matthew 6, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles. This is what the world lives for. This is all they have to live for. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, all your needs, shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil or the trials and the afflictions thereof. Do you believe that? Has God proven Himself faithful to you? You put Him first. You see, Jesus back here in John chapter 14, if you'll turn back there with me, again is reminding, you know, Faith, believing, your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You know, this is amazing. We, we mentioned this in Sunday school this morning. To say the least, we, we have a little bit of difficulty, even though we believe it with all of our hearts, trying to explain the God-man Jesus. Here's Jesus down here on earth. He's 100% deity, and yet He's 100% man. No sin nature. So here's deity and humanity living in a body of flesh. And aren't you glad God didn't say we have to understand all that and explain it? And uh, here's Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And here's Jesus comes down here to earth and he submit, he places himself. You talk about condescension, love and mercy and grace. He puts himself in a position down here where he willingly submits himself to the Heavenly Father. Doesn't mean he's any less equal than the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I, you know what? As you read through this chapter, and I'm running out of time, and you read through the Gospels, you find Jesus over and over again talking about how he loves the Father, how he's here to, he's trusting the Father. He's come to do the will of the, to obey the Father. He comes to glorify the Father. He even talks about these things here. Now, here's Jesus. <laughs> and we say, well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> Goodness. I thought he was equal with the Father. He is. That's what makes it so amazing. That's what makes it so wonderful. That he humbles himself and he set an example for you and me. Am I? Do I love the Heavenly Father? Do I trust the Heavenly Father? Am I willing more, more than anything else to find God's will for my life and, 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 and obey the Word of God? Do I have a desire to obey? And in all that we do, is it to glorify the Father? Over and over again, these are things that Jesus said. Love the Father. Obey the Father. Glorify the Father. Trust the Father. Wow, doesn't that boggle your mind? I can understand God challenging us to do that. And wow, Jesus set the example. And he's saying to these, you know, I think he's trying to train these disciples and get them ready for the ministry. Now we find another one of the 12. Have we got a couple of minutes left? And so Jesus is talking about faith and heaven and, and Thomas speaks up and says, I'm not getting, excuse me, Jesus, I'm not getting all this. Can you, where are you going? How are we going to get there? 
And then, he, and then uh, Jesus starts talking about the Father and your relationship, how you know the Father. And look at verse 8 of John 14. In verse 8, Philip, here's one of the twelve. Philip speaks up and, and, and look at verse 7. In verse 7, Jesus said, If you had known me, if you really understood, you would have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And when, when Jesus mentioned seeing the Father, look at Philip. Philip immediately in verse 8 said, Lord, hey, I just had a bright thought. Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Wow, boop, hey, Jesus, that's a good idea. Why, if you could just let me see God the Father, boy, that would satisfy me. I'd never have another question. I'd never have another worry. Oh, if I could just... Can you believe Philip said that? You know what Philip is acting like? The unsaved world. The world says, let me see. And God, what is it about faith that so honors God? God says, believe. Believe me, and I'll show you. The world, proud man says, show me and I'll believe. God says, you humble your heart and believe, and I'll show you. I may not show you physically, but I'll show you in the sense of spiritually seeing and spiritually comprehending. Oh, now I see, now I understand. Not so much with these eyes, but Philip is just like you and me. God if you'll show me everything in black and white, if you'll show me how it's all going to work out, I'll trust you. I'm glad God doesn't always show me what's a year out there or two. Amen? Because sufficient unto today is the evil thereof. Oh, sure. If God laid it all out there in black and white and said, oh yeah, you're going to have a few little bumps in the road, but no problems, no trials, and you know, kind of like going to get a job and they lay it all out, here's all the benefits, here's all the perks and all, and you say, well man, I'd be a fool not to take that position. Well, we want God to work that way. And God, well, word would, wouldn't take much faith, would it? You see. And God says, trust me. But you know what? We're, you know, I kind of get the, impression here that Jesus is training and getting these 12 apostles ready. Philip says, Look, you know, if I could just see it all and figure it all out and on paper, everything would be okay. And then later on, in verse 22, you have another one. Judas speaks up. Judas said, now not Judas Iscariot, this is another Judas, he says, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Now, I want you to see that at least three of the twelve apostles are mentioned in this chapter. Thomas, Philip, and Judas. And all three of them had questions. All three of them were willing to admit, I don't have all the answers. Jesus, we don't understand all this. And you know what Jesus keeps telling us? Keep believing. <laughs> Keep trusting. <laughs> Is it, make sure everything, just get to know your Heavenly Father better. 
And then he promises them a home in heaven. He promises them, even though he's going away, the Holy Spirit's coming. And the Holy Spirit will comfort them and help them. He promised them the priv- that they can pray, verses 30. You, you, even though I'm going away, you can pray, you can communicate, you can talk to By the way, you can talk to all three of them. You, somebody says, when you pray, do you talk to the Father? I talk, uh, old John R. Rice, evangelist John R. Rice said, I know all three of them. I talk to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen? You can pray to all of them. Pray to the entire Godhead. And Jesus promised one day we're going to be together. Now let me wrap it up with this. Look at verse 27. Jesus is leaving his children in a troubled world. And he's not deceiving them. He's not saying you're not going to have trials and difficulties. And sometimes in a moment of time, your life may be thrown into a state of confusion. But he said, hey, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Work through it. Faith, fellowship with the Lord. And then he said in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I unto you. Now peace there. Let me just say a thing or two and I'll quit. When I think of peace, I immediately think calmness of spirit, this kind of, you know, you're on a troubled sea and all of a sudden the Spirit of God speaks peace. Steve preached the other uh, Sunday night. Matter of fact, it was the last two weeks ago. There, That storm in Mark where where Jesus was asleep on the in the ship. Jesus said, let's get on the boat and go to the other side. And, and, and he was so worn out. Steve, boy, Steve taught us the other Sunday night. Jesus, humanly speaking, here's the God-man, so worn out, he, um, he probably just almost passed out in sleep. His head, can you imagine the creator of the universe lying there in the back of the ship with his head on a pillow sleeping? And the storm comes up and the disciples are chewing their fingernails and they go wake Jesus up and say, "Don't you know, hey, we're about to die out here. We're going to be destroyed. Don't you care? And Jesus gets up and speaks peace and rebukes the demonic control of the weather and calms the storm. Wow. And then Steve pointed this out to us. That as great of a storm as that was, the greater storm was what was going on in the hearts of those disciples on the boat. And Jesus was able to come because they said, wow, what manner of man are we dealing with here that even the winds and the sea obey Him? You know what? I look around at this world. There's a lot of storms going on out there, isn't there? But I'll tell you what. Some of the greatest storms are going on right in here sometimes, aren't they? And Jesus said, peace. Now, here's something interesting. Peace isn't just calming the storm and giving you calmness. The biblical word peace implies more than just an attitude of heart and a calmness. And we need that. But especially the Hebrew word peace, salon, it means prosperity. It means blessing. It means, look, I'm not just going to calm your nerves and calm your fear, and get your feet back down on planet. You're about to, you know, the, the, the world offers you a pill to take and a medicine. And if you need to take a pill, that's, you know, and there's a place, you know. But God says, I'm not just going to calm your nerves. Listen to me. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. Oh, listen. Apostles, trust me. Just 
love the Father, obey the Father, glorify the Father. Oh, listen, greater works, that there's great works to be done. Just keep on being faithful and I'll calm your nerves along the way. Oh, there'll be times when you'll think, what, the bottom's dropping out. I'll calm your nerves. And in the end, I've got a plan. Listen, I'm not expecting you to understand it all. Just keep trusting me. Stay faithful. It'll be worth it all when you see Jesus. Are you getting the picture? Here he's getting these 12 apostles ready. And they were human, just like you and me. And there are times when maybe we don't want to admit it, but sometimes we don't even know the question to ask, much less the answer to it. And we're bewildered. And we may think, what is God doing? He's testing our faith. He's strengthening us. He wants to draw us closer to Him, relying on the Holy Spirit, and getting to know, watch this, getting to know our Heavenly Father better and better. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, just thank You for the truth of Your Word today. And God, sometimes we aren't even aware. We don't even know what trials and difficulties someone may be going through. Or maybe they're worried about the conditions that are going on in the nation, the world. And rightfully so, Lord, we need to be concerned. and Concerned enough to pray, as Paul taught the Philippians, but with a heart of thanksgiving, cast it all upon you. And your peace would guard our hearts and souls. Father, there may be someone here today who's in a state of trouble and confusion. God, I pray that you would calm that heart. Just remind us how much you love us and care for us. We're going to heaven one day through Jesus Christ. And God, you just want to strengthen our faith and draw us closer to you. And yes, there's trials and difficulties, but Lord, help us to take you at your word and let not our hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And would you, would you just for a minute or two, don't think about leaving, but be in prayer. Did you know there may be someone here today unsaved? And if they don't trust Jesus, they're going to die and go to hell one day. Would you pray right now in your heart if there's somebody here unsaved that they'll come to Jesus? There may be a young person, a man or a woman here today whose heart is burdened down with trials and difficulties and they're bewildered. They don't know which way to turn. And Maybe they just need to just ask the Holy Spirit to help them to turn it all over to Jesus today. I wonder while the pianist begins to play softly on the piano, if you're here today and you're not 100% sure that Jesus... Now listen to me, listen to me. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve and he died and went to hell because he would not repent of his sin and trust Jesus as his Savior. You can be a part of a good independent Baptist gospel preaching, Bible teaching church and die and go to hell if you've never repented of your sin and trusted Jesus as your Savior. I hope we understand that. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that you're a born-again Christian, I beg you, I plead with you. Would you come to Jesus? Would you let one of our ladies, one of our men pray with you? Get that thing settled today. You have no guarantee you'll be living tomorrow. 
You could pass out into eternity today. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and find forgiveness of sin. And may I challenge every one of us today, wherever we are in our Christian lives, no, life's not easy. Like the lady on Facebook, even the best of Christians have those times in their lives where it seems like the the bottom's dropping out. The bottom's dropping out. And we're thrown into a state of confusion. Oh, God's grace is sufficient. May God just, let's each one of us ask God to help us. Increase our faith. Draw us close to Him. God has a plan. God has a purpose for every one of us. Isn't that exciting? We may not understand it all now, but we just day by day trust the Lord. And one day when we see Jesus, it'll be worth it all. I want to ask the pianist to finish. Just finish this verse and that is all. If we can help you, you come right now. people said amen how many of you are glad you know the lord is your savior and you have a heavenly father amen good day hey steve may have something good like that again to share with us out of the gospel of mark tonight amen so be back at six o'clock we're excited about the word of god good day god bless you if we can help you at all please let us know